For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the daily tamid lamb offering this is part three of the series so next we are going to give an overview of the daily activities in the temple and particularly as it pertains to those things regarding the daily tamid lamb offering and in doing so as we go over each element of the daily activities in the temple we're going to make an association or a connection how it was associated with Yeshua in the events surrounding which led to his death upon the tree. So now let's begin to understand some of the daily activities in the temple. We're going to start with the night watches in the temple. In the book, The Temple, Its Ministry and Services, by Alfred Edersheim on page 111, he writes, At night, guards were placed in 24 stations about the gates and courts, and of these 21 were occupied by Levites alone. The other innermost three jointly by priests and Levites, and each guard consisted of ten men, so that in all 240 Levites and 30 priests were on duty every night. The God of Israel instructed that the Levites were to wear white garments. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 12, it is written, And also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen. Spiritually, white garments represents righteousness. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 8, it is written, Let your garments be always white. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 10, it is written, And many shall be purified and made white. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 5, it is written, He that overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment. So, in the Jewish rendition of the night, there were three watches in the night. This is explained in the Talmud in Barahot 3a, for it says, It has been taught, Rabbi Eliezer says, the night has three watches. And Rabbi Isaac, son of Samuel, says, in the name of Rav, the night has three watches. So the first watch of the night is sunset to 10 p.m., a four-hour period. Lamentations chapter 2, verse 19, it is written, Arise, cry out in the night, in the beginning of the watches pour out your heart like water before the face. 
face of the Lord. The second watch or four hour period is from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Judges chapter 7 verse 19 has a reference to this as it is written. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. The third watch or four hour period was from 2 a.m. to sunrise which is roughly 6 a.m. In Exodus chapter 14 verse 24 it is written and it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. From the Roman rendition of the night there were four watches in the night. The reference to these four watches are in Mark chapter 13 verse 35. As Yeshua says, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house comes, at evening, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. So these four watches correspond to 9 p.m., midnight, 3 a.m., and 6 a.m. So in the Roman view of the night watches, the fourth watch is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yeshua made reference to this in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, as it is written. In the fourth watch of the night, Yeshua went unto them walking on the sea. Next, we're going to see that the head of the temple was called the captain of the temple. And the reference to the captain of the temple can be seen in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, as it is written. And as they spoke unto the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, came upon them. We can also see a reference to the captain of the temple in Acts chapter 5, verse 24, as it is written. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things. So the captain of the temple was the leader over the Levitical temple guard. This explanation comes from the Jewish encyclopedia. The captain of the temple served the high priest of the temple and was the leader over the Levitical guard and priest that kept watch of the temple at night. The temple night watcher who fell asleep would have his clothes burned. And this is explained in the Mishnah in the note 1-2 as it says, The officer of the temple mount used to go around to every watch with lighted torches before him. And if any watcher did not rise when he came to them, and he said to him, Peace be to you, supervisor of the temple mount. It was obvious then that he was asleep, and he used to belabor him with his stick, and he was also at liberty to burn his clothes. The others used to say, What is the noise in the Azarah? It is the cry of a Levite who is being beaten and whose clothes are being burnt because he was asleep at his post as a night watcher. There's a reference to this thing that was done in the temple by Yeshua in Revelation chapter 16 verse 15 and he's speaking as the captain of our temple. Yeshua said, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So as we are examining the night watches in the temple, and as we begin to relate it to Yeshua and the events surrounding what led to his death on the tree, it started with his betrayal at night, after he had his last supper or Passover meal with his disciples. And 
In Matthew chapter 26, verses 30 and 31, it is written, And when they had sung a hymn, which is how the Passover Seder concludes with the proclamation of next year in Jerusalem, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then said Yeshua unto them, All you shall be offended because of me this night. So even as there were those in the temple who were keeping watch at night in the temple, Yeshua tells his disciples to watch in the night that he was betrayed. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 38, it is written, Then came Yeshua unto them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Then said he unto them, Watch with me. We can further see how Yeshua instructed his disciples to watch as he was being betrayed at night. As we continue in Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 through 41, as it is written. And he went a little further, and he fell on his face and prayed. And he came to his disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So it was Judas who betrayed Yeshua at night. In Mark chapter 14, verse 10, it is written, and Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went under the chief priest to betray him unto them. And then in Mark chapter 14, verses 42 and 43, it is written, Yeshua said, Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrays me is at hand. And immediately while he yet spoke, came Judas, one of the twelve. And with him a great multitude with swords and stays from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And in the process of Judas betraying, Yeshua at night, he did so through an insincere kiss. In Mark chapter 14, verses 44 to 46, it is written, And he that betrayed him had given them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goes straightway to him and says, Master, Master, and he kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. In being taken into custody by the chief priests and elders, Yeshua ended up being accused of blasphemy. And while, from their interpretation, blaspheming the name of the God of Israel, Yeshua also said the divine name. Yahweh or yod heh vav -Heh. In Mark chapter 14 verses 60 to 62 it is written, And the high priest asked Yeshua, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed? And Yeshua said, I am. Which we're going to see in saying these words, Yeshua spoke the divine name in Hebrew. Yeshua went on and said, And you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, a reference to Psalm 110 verse 1, and coming in the clouds of heaven, a reference to Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. And upon hearing Yeshua's words or his testimony, the high priest tore his clothes. We can see this in Mark chapter 14 verses 63 and 64 as it is written. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, You have heard the blasphemy from Yeshua proclaiming that he was the Messiah and using the divine name yod vav in his answer. So the high priest says, What do you think about what he said? Said, and they all condemned him to be guilty of death.
So why did the high priest tear his clothes? The understanding of the answer to this question comes from the Talmud, from Sanhedrin 60a, where it says, Our rabbis taught, He who hears the divine name being blasphemed is bound to rend or tear their garments. So from this viewpoint of rabbinical oral law, we can see how the high priest interpreted that Yeshua spoke blasphemous words against the God of Israel, and in doing so, he used the divine name Yahweh in referring to himself. In the written Torah, it says in Leviticus chapter 21 verse 10 that the high priest is not to tear his clothes as it is written. And he that is the high priest among his brethren shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes. Rabbinically, through the understanding of the oral Torah, the rabbis teach that blaspheming the God of Israel and saying the divine name Yahweh or Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh is punishable by death. This comes from the Talmud and Sanhedrin 55b and 56a as it says the blasphemer is punished only if he utters the divine name that's Yahweh the witnesses are examined and then the chief witness was told state literally what did you hear thereupon he would do so and if he testified that the divine name or yod was used the judges then arose and rent or tore their clothes which in doing so they were not to ever sew them again In the Torah, we can see that blasphemy of the God of Israel is punishable by stoning. In Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, it is written, And he that blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregations shall certainly stone him, as well as the stranger and he that is born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he will be put to death. It was a custom for the priests to warm themselves at the chamber of the fire in the temple. In the Talmud, in Tamid 27a, it explains, In three places the priests kept watch in the temple, in the chamber of Abtinus, in the chamber of the spark, and in the fire chamber. The priests would sit in the chamber of the fire to keep warm from a fire which burned there continuously. We can see in the scriptures that Peter warmed himself at the chamber of fire. In Mark chapter 14 verses 54 and 55 it is written, And they led Yeshua away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants, and he warmed himself at the fire. Peter ended up denying Yeshua before cockcrow. We can see this from Mark chapter 14 verse 30 verses 68 and 72 as it is written. And Yeshua said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me three times. And Peter denied Yeshua, saying, I know him not. And Peter went out into the porch, and the cock crew. Verse 72. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Yeshua had said unto him, that before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me three times. The captain of the temple 
would make his rounds around dawn or sunrise. From the Talmud in Tamid 26a, it says, Anyone who desired to remove the ashes from the altar, which is a part of the activities of the start of the morning service of preparing the morning lamb for sacrifice in the temple, used to rise early, that is before sunrise, and bathe himself before the superintendent came. At what time did the superintendent come? He did not always come at the same time. Sometimes he came just at cockcrow, sometimes a little before or a little after. Cockcrow is sunrise or dawn. From the Talmud, Zevahim 20a, Rabbi Johanan said, If the priest sanctified his hands and feet for the removal of the ashes as the day service started at cockcrow, actually the preparation started before dawn, with the removal of a shovel full of ashes from the altar, which was placed at the east side of the slope leading to the altar. Now, cockcrow is not a reference to chickens crowing in the early morning morning hours because chickens were not permitted to be inside the limits of Jerusalem. This is explained in the Talmud in Baba Kama 82b. Ten special regulations were applied to Jerusalem, one of them being that no fowls could be raised within the city limits of Jerusalem. So cockcrow was a reference to a person in the temple making an announcement regarding an event of the temple. The Sanhedrin, the judicial court, can only hold a trial during the day. This is explained in the Talmud, Sanhedrin 32a, where it says, Capital charges must be tried by day and concluded by day. So let's summarize this part of the teaching on the daily Tamid lamb offering. Number one, there were night watches in the temple. To the Jews, there were three watches in the night. And to the Romans, there were four watches in the night. A temple night watcher who fell asleep had his clothes burned. Number three, the captain of the temple served the high priest of the temple and was the leader over the Levitical guard and the priest that kept watch of the temple at night. Number four, Yeshua was betrayed at night. Number five, when Yeshua was betrayed at night, he used temple language by telling his disciples to watch and pray. Number six, the priests warned themselves at night at the chamber of of the fire. Peter was there the night that Yeshua was betrayed. Number seven, Yeshua was accused of blasphemy and saying the divine name Yahweh or Yodhe And this is the reason why the high priest tore his garments upon Yeshua from the high priest's interpretation, viewing that Yeshua had blasphemed against the God of Israel while using the divine name. Number eight, in the Torah, the high priest is not supposed to tear his clothes. Number nine, according to rabbinical interpretation, blasphemy against the God of Israel and saying the divine name Yahweh or yod heh was punishable by death and stoning. Number 10. Peter denied Yeshua before cockcrow. Usually, this was around sunrise or dawn. Number 11. Chickens were not permitted to be raised in Jerusalem. The cockcrowing referred to the temple crier announcing the start of the day. Number 12. The Sanhedrin can only hold a trial during the day. In the Talmud, in Yoma 20a, it explains 
that at cockcrow the ashes are removed from the altar. Every day, one would remove the ashes from the altar at Kiryat HaGeber, a term that refers to the call of Geber. The word Geber in Hebrew means both man and cock, as in a rooster. Thus, this expression is interpreted to mean either at cockcrow or as the officer called them in the morning, or about that time, either before or after. Next, in the Talmud, in Tamid 26a, it explains that there is a drawing of lots to remove the ashes. Anyone who desired to remove the ashes from the altar used to rise early and bathe before the superintendent came. The superintendent would come and knock, and they would open for him, and he would say to them, Let all who have bathed come and draw lots. So they drew the lots. Continuing from the Talmud in Tamid 28a, it explains that the priest who drew the lot to remove the ashes would first wash his hands and feet. The one on whom the lot had fallen to clear the ashes from the altar made ready, and then they said to him, Be careful not to touch any vessel until you have washed your hands and feet from the labor. This instruction that the priest who drew the lot to remove the ashes would first wash his hands and his feet comes from the Torah in Exodus chapter 30 verses 18 to 20 as it is written. And you shall make a laver of copper for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet there. When they go into the tabernacle they shall wash with water and when they come near to the altar to minister to burnt offering made by fire unto the Lord. So initially the ashes are put beside the altar. This is explained in Leviticus chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 as it is written. Command Aaron and his son saying, This is the Torah of the burnt offering. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh and take up the ashes which the fire has consumed with the burnt offering on the altar and he shall put them beside the altar. The details of this process is explained in the Talmud and Yoma 20a. As there it explains the details of the removing of the ashes from the sacrifice altar. Every day one would remove the ashes at cockcrow. In reality one did not remove all the ashes but only a handful. The rest were swept together on top of the altar and formed gradually a cone as this cone resembled an apple. It was removed only when it occupied too much room or space. For it says in Leviticus chapter 6 verse 11, And he shall carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. Continuing in the details of the explanation from the Talmud, Yoma 28b, And he went up to the top of the altar. Such limbs and pieces of fat as had not been consumed since the evening, they removed to the sides of the altar. If there was no room on the sides, they arranged them on the surround and on the ascent. They then began to throw ashes onto the heap. This heap was in the middle of the altar. So when the volume of the ashes around the altar began to get too large, they would then ultimately be taken and put outside the camp. 
In Leviticus chapter 6, verses 9 and 11, it is written, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the Torah of the burnt offering. And he shall put off his garments, and put on other garments, and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. So, what was the meaning of this phrase, outside the camp? Where did this refer to? Well, the interpretation was explained in the Talmud in Makot 15a, and making a reference to the verse in Numbers chapter 5 verses 2 and 3 where it says, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp, so that they defiled not their camp in the midst where I dwell. The interpretation is as follows. The camp is here defined by the phrase, in the midst whereof I dwell, and it means the tabernacle. See Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 and chapter 29 verses 42 to 46. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, the Daily Tamid Lamb Offering. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.